Over these weeks together, we've been looking at the last words of Jesus. What is it that he speaks from the cross? And we've, we've heard other people's last words. Last week, I shared with you uh, words from Sarah's grandfather. Today, I want to share a word to you from Hot Landrum. Hot Landrum was my pastor late in high school and in college. What a great preacher name, Hot. And he was. He brought it. And he was very important to me in terms of praying through, thinking through my calling, and also seminary, just a deep spiritual man. And I had heard the story of how he was counseling two different people in his office, and he felt that it was time to pray, and he said, let's, let's just pray to God. Can we pray? Let's pray. He was gone. He went into a life of eternal prayer and fellowship with the Lord. Let's pray. Uh, what is this last word? Because this is it. Most scholars believe this is the last word. This is the last word we get from Jesus from the cross. Into your hands I commend my spirit. And with that, he breathed his last. What do we see here about Jesus, but also a pattern for us? What, what do we see in his life that's to be our life, our response. And first is this, if you're a note taker, two words simply for today. And the first word is word. It's not just a word that Jesus gives us, but it is actually the word. There's so many ways in which we gain comfort from one another uh, through prayer. But for Jesus here, we're reminded about the importance of the word. In tough seasons, in difficult seasons, you and I have got to hide the word of God in our hearts so that when we bump into those struggles, it's the word that carries us, sustains us, and as we see in Jesus' life, that spills out of him. If we're not doing that, then in those seasons, we'll find ourselves aimless, we'll find ourselves dry, we'll find ourselves scrambling, we'll find ourselves grasping at anything and anyone to get us through. I didn't ask my wife for permission for this, uh, but just in these last year or two, and watching her with her father as he was struggling with a terminal illness and then passing, she would testify to your goodness to her, your prayers for her, of our Sunday school classes, ministry to her, of our small groups, ministry to her. But I think maybe one of her stronger testimonies, if maybe not the strongest testimony, yes, it's the Lord, but it's the Word of God. It's that daily being in His Word, that that Word has become a refuge for her, a strength for her, a healing in her life as she's walked with the privilege of walking with her father through his last days. That's how Jesus finishes from the cross. It's actually the third psalm that he quotes from the cross. It's word, word, word with Jesus. He is the word, yes, but if you watch his life, he begins his public ministry with the word. Throughout uh, his public ministry, he's recounting the word and hear from the cross. That's what we get as well, the importance of the word and how critical it is, church, for us to hide that word, to have that word, so when we come into those seasons, it will sustain us and carry us. Thinking of this past weekend and, uh, and, and the storms, and, and my son is an engineer in, uh, outside of New Orleans. And so when 
Ida was coming, when Hurricane Ida was coming. It's the first terrible storm that was hitting while he was working there at that plant. And he was watching them prepare that facility, a chemical plant, uh, for what they knew was coming. And they're putting everything down and he's watching and, and one of the experienced engineers said to my son, you understand why, why we're, we're strapping everything down. And he says, well, I'm assuming, but you tell me. He says, do you know what we call a Coke can? Do you know what we call a tool that we forget to put away or, or an object we forget to strap, strap down? He said, no, what do you call it? We call it shrapnel. In, 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 the, in, in, the, in the chaos of life, in the hurts of life, it's got to be taken care of ahead of time. How critical it is for you and I to be in the Word, to be students of the Word. And you look here. This is, this is Psalm 31. I'll let you go back to it later. But Psalm 31, this is a song of David speaking to God just as Jesus is using this to speak to his heavenly Father. And all three psalms, including this one, are really psalms of struggle. Struggle, but also hoping and trusting in God for an answer. But this is real panic from David over a real enemy who was out to get him. You even see him saying in the, the verse before what Jesus quotes, uh, David says, you are stretching or secretly spreading nets out for me, his enemies. This is real struggle. And so ahead of time, how important it is for us to have held on to that word and to know that word. I saw a meme this week. I want to read. I wrote it down so I could read it. And maybe we've been there. Uh, but this meme said, that's a wrap on another day when I acted like I knew what I was doing. Now we can do that sometimes at work or with family or with, but church, we can't do that. I need to know what the Bible says about work. I need to know what the Bible says about friendships and dating and marriage and parenting. I've got to know that because when the seasons come and they come for all of us, I can't fly by the seat of my pants on that. God has given us a book. He's written it down in a book, the way of salvation through Christ Jesus, but also here's the life I want you to live. Here's the word that we hold on to. I may have told you before about Eric Weilenmeyer. Uh, born, I think he was born blind, but in 2001, he got all the way to the top of Everest. And people don't do that. I think it's 90% of the people who go to Everest fail. And there's just so many people who have, have, have failed and even died on their way to Everest. But a blind person made it. How did he make it? What would his testimony be there on the cover on Time magazine? What was his answer? I, I listened well. I listened well. He leaned into every word because he knew his life dependent on it. Not just success, but my life is banking on this word I get from the person in front of me. It's a great reminder when we watch Jesus gift himself for us. It's the word over and over again in his life that comforts him, that holds him, that guides him. And maybe that's a word for us today. How is the word healing you? How is the word sustaining you? How is the word guiding and leading you? It does for Jesus. Second word is trust. The second word we get here for Jesus that we need to, to hold on today when he's troubled, when he's pressed, it's this trust. And that's what you also see in the three psalms that Jesus quotes. All three psalms are, are, 
are trusting in God despite the struggle, despite the suffering. They're trusting in God to get them through. And you see that here with Jesus. Jesus, who knew no sin and became sin for us. Jesus, with all the, uh, we've talked about it a week or two ago, just all the emotional hurt, the relational betrayal, the horrific physical suffering, but now the cross-bearer is the sin-bearer. of uh, Just for him, the innocent Lamb of God, and so much of the Gospel of Luke is proclaiming, you see it here, the innocence of this one who suffered. Even a centurion gets that, and yet he's taking on for us our sins, for our salvation, and yet you watch him despite that trust. God's got me in this. All the shame and the taunts of who they believe he is not, but he's just trusting the Father. I had been thinking about Alastair Begg's uh, story. Many of you have seen that on YouTube when he preached at Baylor back in 2019. Uh, but Mark had shared it with me uh, earlier this week as well. And it's a story, again, of that we don't trust in our own merits. We just trust in what Christ has done for us. But he tells the story of that thief who repented that we heard about earlier in this series, that thief who, who had come to Christ, and even though he had been a part of cursing at Christ earlier at the last minute, says, will you remember me? And so he tell, Alistair Begg tells the story when he makes it to the pearly gates, and the angel's there and says, what, what, are, what are you doing here? He says, well, I'm here. He said, yeah, but how, how, how did you get here? What, what, wait a minute. You were a thief on the cross, right? Yeah, I'm the thief on the cross. What? How in the world? Hang on, i got to go get my supervisor. And so he goes and gets a supervising angel, and the angel comes out and says, no, wait a minute. You're here. He says, yeah, I'm here. All right, help me. What, what is your doctrine of Scripture? The thief said, I don't know. All right, well, what, what is your doctrine of justification by faith alone and Christ alone? I don't know. Then on what basis, then on what basis can you come into heaven? On what basis can you be here? The man on the middle cross said, I can come. Alistair Bear goes on to say, if we, and we just sang about it in nothing but the blood. There's, there's nothing good that we trust in, nothing, no self-righteousness. We, we, we don't trust in what we've done. Alistair Bear, uh, Begg goes on to say, if we do that, there's, there's nothing but anxiety and there's hopeless despair if we're trusting in us. But if I'm trusting the one on the cross, I can know. I can know that that wondrous love of God is going to hold me. I can trust him with my salvation. I can trust him with my life. It's a great word here that we get of trust. Covered in blood and shame and now bearing our sin. And he says to his father, I trust you. I'll let you go back to Psalm 31. But he's quoting a psalm where there's all kinds of struggles. And you, can name, you need to name that for yourself today, what that might be. Whatever want that is, whatever need it is, whatever hurt it is, whatever person it is, whatever thing it is, to say, Lord, I'm trusting you with that. You go through Psalm 31, whether when, verse 4, when people are opposing the psalmist, the psalmist says, I will trust in you. 
verses 9 and 10. Whatever grief I'm experiencing, whatever sadness I'm experiencing, I'm going to trust God. My body is worn out because of my iniquity, but I'm going to trust God that he will make a way, verse 10, for my forgiveness. As even, not just people, but even neighbors, verse 11 and 12, if they're pushing back on me and my reputation, I'm going to just trust God. And then down to verse 22. Even those days when I think God's not listening, I'm going to trust what the scriptures say about my God. I'll draw near to God and he will draw near to us. I'm going to trust the Lord. And the psalm ends with, be strong and let your heart take courage, all who wait for the Lord. Maybe you saw the social media this post. Uh, the Moody's publicly thanked us for our support of their ministries. I, could, I got... It's one of the great telephone calls that I got to be a part of this year, was talking to them. We knew, and I love this too, the gift we gave to the Moody's was overage we had from our mission budget last year, and the person that made the motion to give money to the Honduras Moody mission were people from the Honduras Salt and Light mission. Let's bless the Moody's. And so I knew we were sitting on a pile of cash that we wanted to bless them with, but I didn't let them know about it. I just said, hey, what can we do for you all this year? What are your needs? And they spelled out two big needs. We have this huge need for prescription medicines, but that's going to be up to $1,500 a month, so that may be something you can't do. And then we've got this whole computer needs. We want to redo the whole lab, and that'll be about another $5,000, but maybe you can't do that. Maybe you could just do a computer. We literally lost a computer today. And I was just smiling on the inside, and I was able, just talking together. I think it was on WhatsApp. Or, or, or Facebook Messenger Live or whatever, but I just remember saying, well, Todd and Katie, what if we did it all? It was an ugly cry out of Katie Moody. <laughs> ugly cry. I think I got a little from Todd, too. They had been waiting. They were waiting for that word last year that this year somebody would come along and say, we'll, we'll be a part of God meeting that need. They've been waiting into this year thinking, I thought that need was going to be met. Wait upon the Lord. Draw near. Be strong. Take courage, all who wait upon the Lord. How is it you need to trust the Lord? Trust the Lord, again, with anything you're putting in front of him to control things, to manipulate things, to lead you. You've got to give it to him and just trust him with your life. What is that need, that hurt, that struggle that you need to say, it's yours? Jesus, as he's about to give his life for us, he speaks the word. He's hidden the word in his heart, and that's what spills out of him. It holds him and sustains him and guides him. How do you and I need to be committed to that? Ben and I and our pastors and our our staff would love to pray with you and talk to you about that. But also, who is it, what is it that you need to trust to him today? Jesus did. And then he breathed his last. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this word. As we see more of our Savior today, we glory in him, what he has done for us, that the cross bearer is the sin bearer for us. We praise you and we thank you for what we see in his life, a life of the word and a life of trust. Father, may may those things May those things be us, people of the word, 
people who trust. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.